right now, when you buy an NFT, like on OpenSea, you buy something that's a digital artwork, um, you're just getting a license to the actual intellectual property. Hi, and welcome to The Financial Fox, investing and innovation ideas with a twist. I'm your host, Steffi B, and today I try to address some of the legal questions around NFTs, a market that has been growing massively over the last year. Now, I have reached out to a legal expert, Katrin Zhu, a leading business, commercial and privacy lawyer at Foley & Laden LLP, who has wrote some interesting papers on NFT ownership, legal implication, especially in the fashion industry. Obviously, we are not just going to talk about fashion, but we are going to cover that and uh, much more. And also some basics about NFTs, because one of um, the main questions that people ask is really when I buy an NFT, what do I actually own? And what are, you know, the legal implication, let's say, on fractionalized NFTs or, for example, taxation or, you know, what do I buy when I go on OpenSea? The term of use, they're not very clear. So it is a space that creates a bit of confusion and doesn't have... It's not regulated, obviously, because the regulation hasn't come to NFTs yet. But uh, I think for creators, for buyers as well, and for marketplaces, so for people developing this kind of technology, it's important to ask some key questions. So I really hope that in this interview, you can find some useful answers. Hello. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hi, Stefania. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, it's uh, great to have you on the show because, uh, um, I mean, NFTs, uh, legal issue, intellectual property, license right, you know, there are so many things um, that are not really um, discussed and they are still so uncertain uh, when we are talking about NFTs. Uh, and that's uh, why I really want to have you on the show to kind of trying to clarify some point uh, because NFTs are are uh, becoming a really, really big uh, um, industry. And uh, I think those elements, these need to be clarified both for creators, for collectors, but also, you know, for people, uh, for everybody to kind of understand, you know, what is an NFT? What you are actually buying when you are buying an NFT? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm happy to do that. And I agree with you, it's kind of, since the beginning of the year really spiked in popularity, we've seen, you know, not only large companies get into it, we've seen fashion brands get into it, you know, athletic teams, um, even just, you know, day-to-day businesses. So, um, so it's really kind of spread in popularity. Exactly, exactly. Well, we are going to come back to fashion. She's my favorite subject while uh, we are doing the interview. But maybe to start, you could uh, uh, give uh, some information about your experience with NFTs. Uh, I mean, you are a lawyer, a legal expert in different kinds of areas, including privacy. And uh, yeah, it will be helpful to understand how you stumble into NFTs. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So I am a lawyer. Uh, I work primarily with technology companies and innovating 
innovative and emerging technology. Um, my practice typically focuses on, you know, just general legal advising um, and then also, you know, technology licensing, commercial contracts, data privacy, you know, risk mitigation, compliance and governance. Uh, that's typically what it spans for, for the technology companies. And NFTs came on my radar because I work with a lot of platform-based and community um, marketplaces like business models. And I think, you know, about a year ago, a lot of these um, community marketplaces started to come up as NFT marketplaces um, who are reaching out for legal help. Uh, so that's how I kind of got into it because my community-based and marketplace platform uh, clientele um, became largely NFT marketplace providers. Um, and from there, I uh, did a lot more kind of research as well as work, as well as just, you know, talking to folks within the industry about NFTs. And from there, I thought it was just so interesting that, you know, I've really dove in head first. Um, <laughs> so, so now I think, you know, we, we've come a long way since then, because then it was very much a nascent industry. We were very much at the inception. And I, I think we still are now, but, you know, people, you know, more people are doing it, even from a legal side, and just all kinds of companies, all kinds of founders are thinking about NFTs and thinking, you know, can I do something with an NFT or with this technology? Okay, that's great. So let's start with a simple question. It might, might seem simple, but um, I think it would be good to have uh, uh, like a clear answer. So give me a legal uh, definition of an NFT. So, I, I, absolutely. So NFT is, so it stands for non-fungible token. Um, and it really, um, the legal definition is tied to the technological functionality of the blockchain. So the NFT is a record on the blockchain and it, it's a record of ownership, right? It says, you know, this, this non-fungible, it's non-fungible because it can't be changed unless there's a consensus, uh, you know, a set of actions that are taken with the technology. But if you were to, for example, mint an NFT, right, that NFT goes on the blockchain um, representing that digital asset for, for you as the mentor. And then when you sell the NFT, that ownership transfers, right? So on the blockchain, then you're no longer the current owner, right? It gets passed to the purchaser and that changes through through the sale. Um, and each time there's not like a centralized um, authority dictating, you know, who buys what and what. Uh, it, it's very much a decentralized model. So the, I would say the legal definition is very much tied to the technological one in that it's a record on the blockchain representing ownership of a digital asset. I think that's the clearest way to think about it uh, legally. Okay, that's great. Now, um, when people are buying an NFT, what they are actually buying? So there are lots of different NFTs. The most common one that, you know, the fashion brands have been doing, the basketball teams have been doing, they typically think of the NFT as a collectible, almost like, you know, if there's like 
a rare baseball card, right? And you you want to be the owner of that baseball card, you'll pay a lot of money for that. Um, so the collectible NFTs have been of that nature. They're just not like a physical item. Like, or think of like the Mona Lisa, right? There's one of the Mona Lisa or like these very ex- expensive pieces of art. Um, people view them as collectibles and in a very restricted supply in that there's typically only one. Um, and that's why it's been very valuable. Um, other NFTs are different. So um, I forgot to mention at the beginning uh, that I've since the beginning of the year, after I started working with these marketplaces, I actually started working on the institutional side with, I worked with both um, the Buzz, the, the Bucks <laughs> basketball team and the Jazz basketball team. So the second and third US basketball teams to mint NFTs. Um, and what we helped the Jazz do um, on that third one was create an NFT that didn't represent a collectible as the Warriors and the Bucks had done, but instead it represented um, a ticket to an event, a fan event on the metaverse. So we've seen NFTs, you know, in some cases evolve into like exclusive tickets to metaverse events. Um, So that's really interesting. And then it comes with a whole different, you know, slew of legal issues. Um, And then another thing that we've seen, you know, for on OpenSea is that NFTs can represent like avatars, like you can buy like a like an avatar for your character in in, like some digital world. um, And you can uh, then then your character can have the avatar. And I think Coca-Cola sold like this jacket avatar for a lot of money. Um, So that's another one. Um, and I was uh, thinking about a, another one. Um, so we've had also NFTs represent like piece of property in the metaverse. So Decentraland is one that's an example, right? So if you have an NFT, it represents like different pieces of property. Um, Superworld is another one, uh, right? Where you like are using the NFT technology to have like like virtual property ownership in these metaverses. Um, And lastly, I'll say um, there's also just a lot of innovation happening with NFTs. So there's um, one example is the Board uh, Apes Yacht Club, which is a very funny name, but essentially they're like a story, right? That that there's um, different characters for if you buy an NFT for one of their characters, it can actually uh, self-create additional characters that you're allowed to like put on t-shirts and things like that. So it's more of a commercial item in that sense. Um, So I think all of those examples goes to show that there are just lots and lots of different applications for the NFT technology. Um, And right now, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of it in collectibles, art, and gaming, um, but I think we'll start to see it expand to different uh, other places too.
Exactly. I think there was a great description and great example. I mean, the way I like to think is like NFTs give you a status within a community, whatever can be owning a specific item, a digital item, or can be having a ticket or can be having something else that is, is, is part, is a property, but at the same time, um, it gives you a status within that certain community. Is that, is that like a fair um, comment to make? Yeah, I think that's it. I think you can think of it that way. Because, um, yeah, I think if you think about why do people want rare collectibles, it could definitely have to do with status, right? Because then... They can well, say, oh, look at me, <laughs> I've got the same. Sometimes, uh, you know, I think lots of people uh, has been making quite nice money, you know, just buying an NFT and probably reselling. But let's go back to the fundamentals or maybe maybe the first uh, use case of NFTs, which could be a piece of art, right? So um, obviously, when you are buying an NFT, there are many issues involved. For example, do you own the underlining work or uh, do you need a license from the creator of the work, for example, to show the work? Uh, what about intellectual property right? What about the, also the difference between a license and rights? Do you mind to kind of clarify those uh, um, legal terms? Uh, perhaps we can just stick with, with art as, uh, as um, you know, a use case. Yeah, so I'm happy to do that. So when you, um, for like a digital, like a your almost like your typical NFT, which represents a digital artwork, um, when you buy the NFT, you do not own the underlying copyright, right? Which is what, that's the intellectual property, right? That's vested, uh, or that's what digital art is. It's a copyright. There's patents in the U.S. There's patents, there's copyrights, there's trademarks and trade secrets. Those are the four types of official intellectual property. So the art is a copyright, um, like the, the video or the image or whatever, that's a copyright. Um, so when you buy the NFT, you don't get ownership of the copyright, unfortunately. Um, the copyright ownership stays with the creator. What you do typically get, um, and this will to a certain extent depend on the marketplace that you're purchasing it from. Um, most marketplaces have structured it such that when you purchase an NFT, you get a license from the creator to display that NFT usually for your personal non-commercial purposes and maybe like a performance right for, for the copyright. Um, and what you own is the NFT on the blockchain, right? So you own that record. The record says you're the owner. But with the copyright itself, you actually are not the owner. So there's a bit of a dis disconnect there. Um, but that's normally how it's structured. And then you can kind of get into more complicated models where you're thinking, okay, well, um, like, for example, in the music industry, right, like people are thinking, okay, well, how can I sell NFTs and then have the purchasers of those NFTs receive royalties from the sales of the song that they hold an ownership interest in, right? And then so then you'll think about, okay, well, then it's not just they're getting a right to display for their non-commercial purposes, the underlying artwork like you would for your typical collectible 
um, but there's other rights that would then attach to it. Um, so it's, so I would say, however, you know, now that's still an evolving area right now, when you buy an NFT, like on OpenSea, you buy something that's a digital artwork, um, you're just getting a license to the actual intellectual property. Okay, uh, well, it can get a little bit more complicated. For example, when we have a work with different kind of rights are located to like different parties. For example, some um, a party can uh, have the rights for distribution and some other can have the rights for commercial commercialization or performance or right to display. How can, um, for example, these complex work be... Um, how can I say, uh, it obviously has got different kind of rights, how you can organize all this complexity around just uh, uh, one piece of work that can be, for example, um, a song or uh, a compilation? Yeah, so that's a good question. That's definitely something that's come up on the music side where, you know, they sell the NFT and when it sells for a lot of money, right? A lot of people might say, well, I help like do this part of the song. Like I should have an interest and I help do that part of the song and I should have an interest. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not settled. Um, I think a lot of, so there's definitely been lawsuits on it. Uh, and I would say, you know, people coming out of the woodwork and saying, hey, you know, this song, the NFT representing this song sold for a lot of money. I should get a chunk of it. Um, that I think that's a fair concern to have when, when there are multiple creators of uh, copyright. Now, when you're talking about digital artwork, there typically only is one, right? Um, like if you think about the people art and everything else that have been, you know, sold, um, it's just the creator is, you know, they have all seven, I think it is exclusive rights in the copyright. Um, I think it's more on the music side where you have writers and you have you know, producers and you have all kinds of different parties that the rights become difficult. Um, and then you do have to go back into, you know, if you were to look at it from a legal standpoint, you do have to go back into the agreements that each of those parties entered into to see, you know, what, what rights they actually have and what contribution they made. Um, and I think, some folks have taken a more, I mean, it depends on the seller, like sometimes to avoid all that trouble you, as the seller, you can kind of be more generous in kind of paying out people who say, hey, you know, this is my art or my, my contribution. Um, or if you didn't want to do that, then you would really do have to go into the various agreements and see. But Catherine, do you think that kind of this uh, separation of rights should be done uh, before they actually the, the digital asset goes for sale? For example, can that be built into the smart contract? That's my question. Okay. Um, you potentially could. I think the problem right now is that some of the, especially on the music side, those relationships and those contracts were done before NFT technology ever existed. Um, so there's kind of, you know, a hurdle in translating some of that into what it means when an NFT of a song or containing a song is sold. I think if you were to do it today 
and you knew about the NFT technology, then you could definitely, um, you could definitely outside the smart contract, like regular contract wise, um, agree amongst the various contributors as to what each person's rights are. And we're already starting to see that for um, different marketplaces that are partnering with artists, right? Like they have artist contracts that specifically spell out what the artists, you know, who is, who's they're commissioning to create the work, like what their rights are and what the platform rights are. And then if the artwork features like a famous person, like what that person's rights are, like that's all being contracted for now in advance. Um, so I think not knowing like the older stuff where you don't know, they didn't know about NFTs, that's where we're seeing a little bit more, um, I guess, so, difficulty in application. Yeah. It's, it's basically kind of legal is coming in to kind of um, uh, make, uh, um, yeah, to just comply with the different agreement that were done before, uh, even though sometimes maybe a digital assets just sell without this kind of se right separation. And then based on the agreement, you know, the person just pays out the different parties. But perhaps, you know, perhaps could all be built within a smart contract. Yeah, so going to the point about the smart contract. So the smart contract is... Um, is kind of a contract that's actually very different from a legal contract, which is a okay. written contract. The smart contract, I think, for me, when I first started out, was like a little confusing. So I was like, oh, we have like an actual contract. It's a smart contract, like an automated version of an actual contract. Um, and it, 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 it's not really in a legal sense. Like legally, a contract is binding, right? It shows intent between two parties to... Um, you know, do something. The smart contract, in in contrast, is a software protocol that receives inputs um, from you know, like from something called an oracle, which is almost like a feed of data. Um, and then once certain, once it receives certain data, so for example, like if there's like a purchase, right? then that data goes into the smart contract. The smart contract has a series of pre-written protocols that it has to execute. And then it um, then it takes those actions once that input happens. So it's like a set way of responding to an input. Um, so if you wanted to divide up things between parties, you can definitely do that. Like we've seen NFT marketplaces do that where the marketplace gets a platform fee, right? And then the creator gets their fee. And then if there's a secondary sale, they get a royalty. Um, so the smart contract accounts for those parties. If you wanted to have it account for more parties, um, I think you can do that. It just depends on, I, I mean, unless you're a programmer yourself, it will depend on the marketplace if, they're, if they have like a user interface where you can do that. Okay, so basically, uh, th that was a great clarification on, uh, you know, I think many people, they have a bit of confusion, a particular, you know, developer, what is actually is a smart contract. So is there uh, a responsibility of uh, uh, NFT platform to kind of uh, make sure that all uh, the term of use, uh, you know, the legal issue, the kind of intellectual property rights are all allocated in the right way? Yeah, I mean, it is the realm of legal to ensure that. Um, I would say, depending on the 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 
what position you're in, right? In the NFT. So there, there's like the NFT marketplace, there's sellers, which can be individual sellers, um, big name artists. They can be like companies like Coca-Cola or Visa who want to do a collectible or like Gucci or something. Um, and then there's buyers and those buyers can be like, you know, celebrities or they can be regular people like me. Um, and I would say the very kind of well-resourced players in that marketplace, whether it's the marketplace provider um, that's raised, you know, a bunch of venture capital funding or these bigger sellers, they usually will have very sophisticated legal teams advising them on this. Um, I think when you're an individual buyer, you don't really have the resources to have like a very sophisticated legal team advising you. So if you're the buyer um, or if you're just like a small time seller um, on these marketplaces, you really need to be kind of reading the terms and conditions of the marketplace and kind of reading yourself what you're agreeing to. But Katrina, even, even if you are reading the term of, the term of condition, it doesn't seem really clear, for example, on OpenSea, what you are actually getting when you buy an NFT on the platform. I'm just saying yeah. like a normal <laughs> users, it's not really clear. It's not. Um, I've seen quite a few different NFT marketplace platforms in terms of service and, um, and I've done a lot of them myself. And op- OpenSea's that, and I've, you know, reviewed that many times because a lot of the bigger drops have occurred on OpenSea. Um, it is not clear for OpenSea. They, they really, I, the current version, maybe they'll update it, is very much quite silent on what rights are going back and forth. Um, and it's more purely just to protect OpenSea as the yeah, platform exactly. provider from liability. Exactly. Um, so no, open OpenSea is not clear. Other marketplaces are more clear. Um, so I would, you know, depending on where you're going um, to sell or buy, I would read that. And then sometimes the seller will include additional terms in their NFT. So for example, if you're thinking like, I think it was Coca-Cola on their NFT drop, they had an additional set of terms that they included a link to with NFT. So then if you were to buy that, you would also want to read that too, in addition to the OpenSea terms. Okay. Um, Another thing is that all these marketplaces, obviously they are not regulated, right? And NFT uh, is an industry that is not regulated. However, you know, we are seeing that the crypto space is getting regulated. You know, they are pushing regulation for, you know, stable coin uh, for, you know, that we have got the CBDCs, which is another story, but it's still kind of, you see like uh, regulation coming in. Now it's getting into DeFi, eventually it's going to get into NFTs as well, particularly if we are talking about fractionalized NFTs, because at this point, uh, you fall into the security law basket. What's your uh, comment on that? And do you think we are so far away from NFT regulation or is going to come very soon? I think um, that's a great question. So on... I got to tell you, I'm not a securities lawyer. So my answer here is just purely opinion. It's not based in any um, special insight. We do have other lawyers at our law firm who are actually like 
involved in in some of that stuff but just from my perspective of having worked in this space um i think it definitely is an issue um and not even without the fractional shares we've seen some instances where people are trying to like use social media to like um increase the price of an nft um which could fall under cause the NFT to fall under a definition of securities uh, under the Howey test in the US, which um, I don't have the definition in front of me, but essentially if it's like multiple people, you know, doing enterprise and trying to make a profit, there's like four different factors um, that would mean that something is a security. Um, so, so yes, and I think once you fractionalize it, there's an even higher chance of that happening, um, especially people, instead of just like, buying the NFT to own something, they're buying it because they want it to appreciate in value, almost like a stock, then yeah. um, then 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 it's uh, then definitely there's more regulatory risk. Um, now I think for the regulations, I don't know that it's the because the NFT is based on blockchain technology. So I think they're like you said, the regulators are looking at this technology and this industry as a whole. So if we start to see regulations applicable to, you know, the Bitcoin or Ethereum or just blockchain in general, I would think that there that could potentially be applicable to NFTs because they are also based on blockchain technology. So we might not, I mean, or we could see something separate for NFTs, but I wouldn't be surprised if the regulations that's coming soon um, that would have applications to potentially could reach to NFTs. And uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, also NFTs are uh, considered uh, a property, isn't it? So that's why also the argument of taxation come about. And if we are looking, for example, at the metaverse where we are taking our digital property there, you know, the future, for example, we could have a house that is in the metaverse. We could have a different kind of digital property in the metaverse. Uh, that seems, uh, um, seems to fall under... Uh, more, more under something that, for example, need a specific taxation that is different than what perhaps is uh, um, thought now. How do you see that evolving? Yeah, I think that's definitely an open area because I don't think we've seen much right now um, on just how NFTs are taxed. Uh, I don't even know, and again, I'm not a tax attorney, so I don't know for sure um, what the IRS is thinking um, or doing or guidance that they've issued to date. But I don't even know that if, I mean, I'm trying to think, like when I sold an NFT on OpenSea, I don't think, you know, the money that I made from that sale, I, like there's nothing telling me that that's subject to taxation that I'm aware of, right? So I think... Um, I think it's definitely, <laughs> I think it's definitely um, a gray area, right? Because if you're selling, 
I'm trying to think. I think you, I mean, technically you would think you would have to pay sales tax, but I just don't know that, that that's happening right now. Considering as a property, I mean, it will depend on NFT. Obviously they can't tax you on a ticket, but, <laughs> but maybe certain NFT classes, they might be subject to a different taxation than others, for example. Yeah, I can totally see that. And maybe even just like trying to apply today's taxation you know principles we're not even like like you said we might need to have a different framework because everything is digital and everything's in the metaverse it's not like you know right now if i sell like a secondhand item on poshmark for example right they charge a sales tax um but it's that's like a physical piece of clothing uh, I don't know that that would be the same analogy if you were to sell a piece of property in the metaverse, right? And then, I mean, then you can even say like, well, what about real real estate law? Like, does that apply in the metaverse? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I agree with you. It's it's could be very different from an application standpoint. But you mentioned the secondary market and, and obviously here we're just getting into something quite exciting. So let's just uh, um, take fashion, for example, as an industry that we are going to uh, refer to right now. So if we are looking at the adoption of the NFTs in fashion, the way I see it is that for one aspect, they can be the digital proof of ownership of, for example, a specific physical item, right? So as you buy the item, you mint an NFT and you get, you know, the, 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 digital, the digital copy, um, the certificate of ownership of uh, the amazing bag that you got. And then there is the digital fashion. So like does, they don't have to be correlated with a physical item, can just be digital drops of wearable that you can buy and you can use in the metaverse. This is quite exciting. So, um, yeah, so maybe maybe expand a little bit on that and based on your experience and the project you have worked on and also what you have seen in the fashion industry, how do you see the NFTs, um, you know, having a role or um, kind of pushing boundaries in the fashion industry? Yeah, that's a great question. I would kind of anchor on to that last thing that you said about pushing boundaries, because I really do think um, that's kind of what NFTs represent. So I, you know, there's the, like you said, there's the practical application of the NFT, which can be very useful in fashion for, you know, supply chain tracking, as well as authenticity tracking, exactly. right? Because like fashion right now, um, which I'm sure you have, you know, are more familiar than me with is, filled with counterfeits and some of the counterfeits are really good. <laughs> I spent a semester in Hong Kong and I um I was just the the quality of the counterfeit bag like Chanel like all these bags there I was like shocked like exactly. you would not be able to tell a difference. You know Catherine the crazy thing is that there are actually uh, I mean the, the, this is what they say there are factory they maybe work from seven to five and then from five to seven in the night they keep doing product but they are not just commissioned by the brand and they're selling in the dark market I mean these are crazy stuff they actually happen and they might cost a fraction of the money and they are kind of very similar so it is really bad for brands to have this kind of situation um, yeah for 
for a kind of credibility and uh, and uh, yeah, it's just horrible. So anyway, there was a a, a short comment <laughs> that I want to. Yeah, make. no, I mean, I I saw like a documentary on it where you literally have to like cut open the bag to the inner lining to be able to see that it's not the same. Okay. And so I think now there are even ones where you do that, it's the same. And the only way you can tell is through the code, right? That comes on the bag to see if it's actually issued by the fashion brand versus a fake code. Um, so I think the NFT technology is gonna be really helpful for that because right now, you know, people are, and this goes back to what you said at the beginning about status, right? Like people see the fake bags, they are like, okay, well, the code is just inside, you know, nobody, whatever, nobody cares, like nobody can see it. You can like hardly see it when you try to look at it. Um, I think if you have like NFT technology tracking all these things, um, especially if there's a little bit more transparency into that, um, I think that could really deter the, the fakes and it could really help just like more easily track the reels, right? Because then you can like, just like, take your thing and see if it's on the blockchain, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of potential there from a practical standpoint in solving like the counterfeit issue. Um, and then that goes back to like how NFTs and blockchain technology have a lot of potential uh, positive usage for um, kind of record keeping and tracking things in a way that cannot be you know, manipulated and there's just more transparency around all of it. So I think that's going to be good. And then on the other side, you know, I think you've seen fashion brands really using NFTs to push the envelope. I think the fashion and the art world are actually related because some very like haute couture could be considered art. Um, so I think NFTs, right, it's definitely created new ways for artists to engage with their fans and it could potentially create new revenue streams from that engagement. Um, and I think for fashion houses, right, you know, to the extent that they're producing something very creative that they almost would consider art, um, you know, that that's the NFTs are a way for them to increase engagement on that front. Um, and I think I read in the news somewhere that like Gucci has done this, right, with a video, not even with like, um, with like the clothing, like they've done like a kind of a video art montage and um, didn't use it in NF use the NFT technology to increase like engagement for that artwork. So I think fashion houses, you know, can definitely use it both from an engagement and marketing standpoint. And then, like I said before, there's also the practical application of you know, preventing counterfeits and tracking tracking supply. Do do you think that you you mentioned about revenue and and you know we are seeing NFTs just going for like crazy prices? Uh, do you think? Uh, the price that uh, that we are seeing at the moment for NFT is like um, like a result of a massive hype, or do you think because it looks like the value of digital items is much more than actually a physical one? I mean, do you see sneakers going for like ten grand in the physical world? I mean, there might be some with like 
um, you know, some specific gemstone or, or some really, really exclusive. I haven't seen any, but I think, you know, if you pay a grand for a pair of sneakers, that's quite a lot of money. Where in, you know, online with, you know, in these NFT marketplaces, you easily can pay, you know, five or six or even 10 grand on artifact is, uh, you know, it's kind of like a normality. Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. And it's a mystery to me, too. Um, but the everything is selling quickly, I think, like any most of the well-known brands who do NFTs that I'm aware of, they sell quickly. They sell for a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why it there is so much money. Um, well, I you know, right now, like prices of everything is going up. So I think there's just like a lot of m- money out there, period. Um, and in crypto in particular, um, and this is just purely opinion, like I'm just almost just like speculating <laughs> based on what I've seen. Um, I think, you know, I think potentially there's there's a lot of optimism in blockchain and crypto and NFTs right now. Um, so I think maybe folks are just willing to pay more money for it. Um, we've also seen, a, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I know there's been like a very big appreciation in, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all those things. So if you were like an early owner of some of those coins, you might just have a lot of money right now to spend. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know what the exact reason is. But yeah. that's a good point because the main users and the main buyers of NFT, they're obviously being crypto people and that's the one that maybe made lots of money. But it's still, you know, even Dolce Gabbana sold, um, you know, they their NFTs for like a crazy amount of money. But, um, you know, that, that will be a mystery. Now, another thing that is kind of a big controversy when we are talking about fashion NFTs is the energy consumption because I wrote an article about that and I just think that particularly with fashion brands they have been ambassing for um, sustainability and lower carbon footprint and all this kind of stuff now jumping on the NFT bandwagon when you know that we know that the carbon footprint on Ethereum is quite substantial it looks to me like a paradox so you know maybe Dolce Gabbana is not so much you know um climate planet friendly brand but there are many 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 others there are and i cannot justify i can't understand how they can justify that yeah i do think it's a big paradox like you said um i know ethereum is working towards creating something that's lower footprint and then there are different um crypto like blockchains that are trying to be more efficient. Um, So it could be a situation where the technology evolves to be uh, to be less energy intensive. And I think personally, I think that's going to be where it's headed. Um, I right now, I would say, yes, it's a paradox, right? Because like Bitcoin mining and Ethereum and just like the, the consumption of energy to process the transactions right now is very high. Um, and fashion brands, it, it is kind of a paradox because I think um, it is like most of the, most of the mainstream players and even like individuals like myself, right? Like care about environmentalism. Exactly. Um, even but then are also you- doing the crypto stuff. So I, I think it's, yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good point because I was just thinking from the fashion brand, but actually from from a consumer, 
you know, what's the point to be cool with an NFT if then you want to buy, you know, jeans from recycled material? Uh, but, you know, as you said, there are blockchain actually on proof of stake like Cardano. They are, um, you know, offering NFT uh, solution with a lower energy. Uh, so definitely something where the technology is going to come to help. Now, let's go back to the first point about uh, um, counterfeiting, because, uh, that brings us to talk about still an element of sustainability, but is the secondary market where NFTs can really play a big role in making all the market more healthier. Yeah. And are you talking about, just so I'm clear, the secondary market for like for fashion items? Yeah, okay. for fashion items, because, you know, there is a lot of counterfeiting there. And, you know, also you don't, ne you never know where the item is coming from. Is really a real Gucci bag or is not? I think when, when uh, nowadays the secondary market is like an incognita, you either have to go in this shop that you trust or you go in the CR collective, but, you know, verification is done by humans so it can still um you know be be wrong isn't it yeah no i think that's it's definitely the secondary market is especially if something's being tracked all the way from origination for its authentic authenticity which you know taking it out of fashion that's what happens with nfts right like everything's on the blockchain it's minted the nft like every time it transfers ownership that is recorded and you can you have like verification of that when you get the NFT that can definitely be applied to kind of secondary secondhand fashion items because I agree with you right now if you go to like even if you go to somewhere like the real real exactly. there's still like, humans are verifying it and they had like a PR thing a couple years ago where um, you know they some of the human verification didn't catch the counterfeits, right? Because some of the, like we said, some of the counterfeits are so good. So I think having a, a like the immutability of the blockchain, so basically using that immutability to track uh, authentic fashion brand items, I think that I agree with you has a lot of potential in the secondary market. Um, and I think it can help because right now I'm, I'm sure a lot of money is spent on verification of secondhand items. Um, and I think that could just be a way to really cleanly, you know, anybody can confirm the item that they're getting. Exactly. I, I think that's a great point. Lots of money on people, on training, you know, on resources. Um, yeah, so exciting to see what is going to happen there. Now, going back to NFTs and uh, the value they are adding, particularly to the creator, right? So if we are talking about the creator economy and, uh, um, you know, creators, uh, they need to be protected. So that was the, the, the role of the lawyers as well to kind of protect who creates art, who creates, uh, you know, some kind of intellectual property. So how do you think uh, NFTs are coming in to help creators? I think that's a good point to clarify even though it's at the end of the interview, but um, we, haven't, we haven't clarified that enough. Yeah, no, I'm happy to add my perspective to that. So I think, so I'll just say legally, right, in, in the US, and I think this is true in UK and Europe as well, the copyright laws are there to protect the creator, right? Like when you create something, that copyright automatically vests in you. Um, I think the issue though with, with 
pre-NFTs was that, okay, I create something, but I have no way of like accessing an audience for my creation, right? Like I have to go through maybe like a, if, if you're talking about music, like maybe I have to go through a record label or if I'm talking about art, maybe I have to go through a gallery, right? And if, so if you're a creator, even though the ownership is yours, in order to access the audience and engage with people through your creation, you have to go through like a centralized source um, that usually kind of takes a cut of your profits and everything, right? Um, I think now with these NFT platforms and with NFT technology, a lot of creators can take their art and go direct, right, to to a wide audience. Um, And I think that's really the game changer for a lot of creators um, because it gives them access to different, like a, a wide audience. They don't have to go through a centralized source so much anymore. They can just go on the platform, which is decentralized. And they also, you know, and then on top of that, the NFT creates different ways of engaging with with their fans to the extent they were creating, you know, other art before. They can now create like digital art or, you know, a metaverse event or something, right, represented by the NFT. So, um, so I really do think it's opened up a lot of possibilities for creators, even though, you know, the copyright is still the same, like that law has not changed. I think just the the way that they can access an audience and then on top of that, like monetize that from a royalty standpoint. Yeah. I think you're right. However, still now, those kind of third party like galleries, like probably, um, you know, like music agency, they are still trying to get into the NFT space themselves. I mean, if we are seeing some of the big, uh, um, you know, digital artists, they're still going through Christie, for example, or to some of these uh, big uh, galleries. What do you think uh, those players can offer to creators um, and what should be their role or how his role is changing? Well, I think for the NFT stuff, what I've seen is a lot of these almost like centralized, hey, we're going to curate a collection of NFT type of players. Curation, I like that. They do the curation. Yeah, I mean, they do. So to the extent they have like a bunch of followers, right? Like you mm-hmm. you would still potentially get access to a like a select group of individuals that may not otherwise have noticed your art. But I think increasingly what I've seen is, you know, if you're going to be like, hey, I'm curating this collection of NFTs, like help help me do your art. Um it's, I would say you're, you're expected to like give the artist a sort of set of rights and then, you know, attribution. It's, I mean, it's not too different, honestly, from what it was before, because I think there was still like a money allocation and attribution and things like that. Um, but I think, you know, I think the artist would have more power, right? Because anyone, yeah. yeah, anyone can go and curate. And then if they don't curate, it's not like, you couldn't be on the platform, right? Because before you could still like be on the platform. You just wouldn't be part of this yeah. this collection. 
um, or there's like many competing collections that you can potentially contribute. Exactly. To. So maybe they can be a bit more creative. Obviously, they will have to push on the PR side as well, because that's why maybe you go to a platform like that to get more visibility. But I agree with you. I think the creator has got more power, um, probably is going to monetize better. And perhaps this platform, what, the way they can help, they can bridge the fiat crypto world because they might can uh, assist clients that can pay in crypto to pay with fiat, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, yeah. Right. Now, final question, which is going to be very interesting. How the role of lawyers has changed with um, the blockchain technology, all these things about NFTs? I mean, obviously, we have got smart contracts. I know they are not the same as contracts, but I think the role of lawyers has been challenged a lot. And I would like you to expand on that from your perspective. Yeah, so I would say I almost think of this NFT stuff and the blockchain technology like the Internet back in the 90s, where you saw in the 90s that there were Internet lawyers. And today, like every lawyer is an Internet lawyer because <laughs> everything <laughs> is based on the Internet. So I think for blockchain right now, you are seeing like lawyers being like, oh, I do like me, like I have experience with NFTs. Like I've done a lot of work with NFTs um, and we have like blockchain um, oriented lawyers. I think in maybe 10 to 20 years, I have a feeling every lawyer is going to be a blockchain lawyer because, you know, blockchain could be in real estate. Blockchain could be in fashion. Blockchain can be in, you know, every potential industry that you think about. So I think lawyers are going to have to, at some point, understand the technology um, because I, I don't think it's going to go away. Okay, that's I completely agree with you. Now, just to close up, what are the most exciting things uh, uh, you think are going to happen within the space or the, the areas that you are more excited about for uh, NFTs? I think that's a great question. Um, I think I'm more excited to see just the expanding application of NFT because at the beginning, kind of, it was very much like we saw collectibles, we saw people dropping art, we saw maybe like Christie's or these auction houses kind of adopting it like very much from an art standpoint. Um, but I think now it's really exciting to see just, you know, for example, what we did with the jazz, right? Like the NFT representing a ticket to a fan event hosted on the metaverse. That's the first time I think a professional sports team has done that. Um, so really just seeing the creativity of what these NFTs can do, I think that's going to be the most exciting thing. Um, and we're already like starting to see, you know, NFTs in real estate, like NFTs and things that you would not have that are very actually unrelated to art, right? Like very different applications. So so I think that's going to be, for me, the most the most exciting thing. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm pretty excited, obviously, about fashion and, for example, also evolving NFTs. So like digital wearable, they can change on certain condition. For example, if it's raining, my coat is going to become waterproof or my sunglasses, my glasses can become sunglasses or, you know, this kind of things. More like uh, interactive as the metaverse start, uh, you know, to take off and develop a a little bit more but listen Katrin was great to have you on the show and I think we nailed down on some really 
um, interesting uh, uh, topics and uh, yeah we shed some light on uh, the, um, the confused space of NFTs because I think many people are still not clear what is what and uh, you know what are the great areas so it's always good to discuss and I'm sure that you know as the space progress uh, you know things will become clearer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. It was a great conversation and I think we covered some some very important points. Okay, we got at the end of uh, this amazing conversation. I could have stayed on for hour and hour, uh, you know, just uh, talking more about fashion, you know, digital ownership in the metaverse and, you know, all these kind of things happening, even in the music industry where Catherine, she highlights some of the key issue and uh, obviously the... Um, you know, the big cloud of security that is kind of above all the crypto industry. But, uh, you know, we didn't have time to cover all of that. Now, I really hope that you got some uh, good point to reflect, to think, you know, something useful. And we are going to do more and more as uh, um, there will be more input on NFTs, uh, regulation, for example, or something exciting is going to happen. I'm definitely going to cover in the meantime. If you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please hit the subscribe button. And if you have got any question, don't worry, get in touch with me at Steffi at financialfox.news or follow me on social media, write me a message and I will get back to you. I will see you next time.